This is At Naboda. Today is April 11th, 2022. The title of today's podcast is episode 83 or 84 now, Sex, Desire, and Enlightenment. And we're going to do this one a bit differently. I was going to, if you guys just want to cut to the chase, yes or no, can you be enlightened and have sex? The short answer is Yes, you can. However, there's some caveats involved here because how people are out there in the world just getting dirty is just not the same way as someone who's more conscious goes about it, obviously. And in fact, let's just get started with reading what I wrote a bit earlier. It goes like this. External desire is not to be confused with biological impulses, such as hunger, wanting to be comfortable, physically not feeling too hot or too cold, wanting to sit down to rest your tired or sore feet, feelings of thirst, etc. External desire also is not to be confused with having personal preferences in terms of what food you want to eat or what clothing you want to wear or what kind of car or house you want to buy. These are practical considerations that do not necessarily lead you to feeling incomplete or feelings of unsettling desire. The experience of samadhi happens when the observer feels complete Any feeling of incompleteness will be an obstacle to liberation. Desire is far from the only motivator. And I see that all vices that have that common thread of desire entwined within them. Fear is an urgent desire for safety. Greed is a desire for money. Envy is a desire for what someone has etc., etc. And this is why I say desire in this context is the chief obstacle of liberation. Because when you desire in this way, you feel incomplete. Fortunately, there is a solution. As from my experience, the opposite of desire is love. Employers will often choose employees that would love to work there more than they would choose employees that merely desire to work there. And whereas love is an authentic, heartfelt motivator, external desire is insincere and alien. The other motivator is to do what you feel inspired to do. And the purest form of this is divine inspiration. Fortunately, Certain liberated and empowered individuals develop a strong field, an expanded aura of brilliance that purifies and repels the energy effortlessly just by their mere presence. In this fashion, humans can be liberated into a more natural state of doing what they love and feel inspired to do, not out of a feeling of incompleteness, but instead do things as a form of creative expression 
and wholeness. Where misunderstandings, where misunderstandings occur is when people claim that because greed is bad, money also must be bad, which is false. You can love money and accumulate it free from desire. The key here is to never feel incomplete, regardless of if you have money or if you don't, as an example. And also because sex can evoke desire and a feeling of incompleteness, some have falsely concluded that that celibacy is a prerequisite for enlightenment. And this is also false. Sex can be a beautiful act motivated by love. You can love sex and engage in it enjoyably, free from the feeling of desire, just by coming from a place of love. In fact, with true mastery, there are no limits to what you can or cannot do because nothing external can evoke feelings of desire within you, but only love and inspiration. And just to add to that, masters, okay, let me just explain to you what an enlightened master is, first of all. People have this idea that, oh, he thinks he's better than other people. No, that's not what it's about at all. Being a master just means you've mastered yourself. And the only way that is possible is recognizing that the best that's inside of you is also inside of everybody else. That, that divinity within you is also emanating in various forms in various individuals in every single person that you meet. So naturally, you don't want to harm others for the mere fact that you don't want to harm yourself. If you literally believe that the best in you also is in everybody else, you have no motive to harm anyone, but rather you have the motive to help them. And this is why a true master is actually the greatest servant, because literally all they do is they help people. <laughs> That's all they do. They serve people. They serve the divinity in everyone they meet. That is what a true master does. So a true master is not about themselves. It's not about, it's not about the earthly concept of hierarchy where those are the top have the power and they're using their power to oppress people and to get them to do what they want and to subjugate people. No, that's not what a true master is about. A true master, like I said, is about seeing the best in people and helping them to see the best in them as well. Because many times a true master can see the best in someone else but that person, they don't even see that best that's in them. But we're going a bit off topic. But the reason that this is important, though, is in the concept of sex, desire, and enlightenment, you got to keep that in mind. A master doesn't want to do anything to harm other people. Now, sex doesn't harm other people. But what does can harm other people is external desire. Now, most people in today's day and age... Sex and desire are intertwined. 
it's mo- many people they've never even had sex without desire being a, a strong part of that experience. But the most beautiful form of sex, and we're going to keeping this family friendly, by the way, so you don't have to worry. We're not going to go into graphic details or anything like that. But the most beautiful sex is with love, right? When it becomes an expression of love, you're not engaging it with, with it because you feel incomplete. You're engaging, engaging in it like that's an expression of love and your partner is an expression of the divine. If you're a man and you're with a woman, the woman's like a goddess. And this is a way of you treating her like a goddess. And the same thing with the woman treating the her partner, regardless of, you know, it could you know, I, I'm not excluding LGBTQ, okay? The point is, is that you see the divine in whichever partner that you're involved with, okay? And that's the most important thing. And so what happens though is sex changes. When you remove the element of desire, you become more conscious. You can appreciate it more. You appreciate the beauty of every second of the experience. You feel that love in your heart and you're connecting with that love to your partner. You're exchanging love. And so unlike desire that makes you feel incomplete, love makes you feel complete. So by involving, so an enlightened person, if an enlightened person is involved with sex, typically they're going to be with a partner that, you know, it's, it's appropriate for that person to be involved with. Right. So, you know, you've got married couples, you, you know, there's stories in ancient Hinduism about Krishna and Parvati. So even, you know, the gods and goddesses, you look at it that way. I mean, if you, the gods and goddesses of the Hindu pantheon, as well as the Roman or Greek Greek pantheon, you know, or even the Celtic pantheon, there's all of these different pantheons. And so what you have to keep in mind here is that you're treating it as a sacred activity. You're not treating it like, oh, I just have this strong desire. I just want to get my rocks off. It's like, no, there's something deeper. There's a deeper connection there. And so that's very, very important. So that's that's basically the covering the topic of, of sex. And as far as desire goes, I mentioned about that. So let's, let's go a little bit deeper into that concept. Desire is that feeling of incompletion. So if you are enlightened, if you are feeling complete and blissful all the time, your mind's always in bliss. So every moment is a celebration. Every moment is wonderful. It's like you, you, you're, not, you're never treating like one moment as more special than another moment. So whether you're in the bedroom with your beloved engaging in coitus or whatever word we want to use, that isn't necessarily more special 
than having a delicious meal or going to a wedding or going to a funeral or staring at the wall. And that's kind of difficult for people to understand because from the enlightened perspective, every single second of every single day is phenomenal. It's amazing. And, and does that mean that you don't enjoy sex as much as somebody who values it higher than other activities? Actually, that's a paradox. The person who's more conscious is going to enjoy sex more than somebody who's just coming from desire. Because when you're coming from desire, you're actually getting a less intense experience, a less memorable experience. Because you can't be fully conscious. You're not fully conscious. You're not fully aware. You're not coming from your heart. You're experiencing a superficial version, a biological version of sex. You're not connecting on a deeper level. And that, what that means, is that if you think sex is amazing coming from a place of desire, just wait when you can experience it coming from a place of love where you're with a partner that genuinely loves you and it becomes an expression of love. And married couples can relate to this, right? I'm not saying you have to be enlightened to appreciate that making love is better than just making sex. And so the point is, is that it becomes a, a deeper and more profound act because desire clouds your perceptions. It becomes a fog that obscures your full enjoyment. When you're engaging in this sacred activity without desire, it's like that fog lifts. Instead of seeing through blurry glasses, you're seeing through crystal clear glasses. I mean, that's a, maybe a bad analogy. <laughs> it's because it's more than just visual. It's like your smell, your, the whole body sensation, everything, every touch is magnified. It becomes a, a, a much more amazing experience. And, but then you might say, well, if that's true, then why do you regard having sex as enjoying that just as the same as any other activity that you do? Well, it's very simple. When you have crossed that threshold of illumination and you're in a perpetual state of samadhi, there's nothing that tops that. Everything else is just like icing on the cake. But, I mean, yeah, it, it, there's enjoyment in so much in life. And the <laughs> it's like people right now are living in paradise and they're not even aware of it. And that's, that's the interesting thing because everybody right now is, has the potential to experience basically heaven on earth in everything that you do. Let's see, where, how much time have we got left here? Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. We still got about four, three minutes left or so. Cool. So sex, desire, and enlightenment. So yeah, that's the paradox. I mean, when you're in Samadhi, Samadhi, you're, I mean, like right now, doing this podcast, doing this video, I feel just as amazing as anything else that I do. 
or that I, or I don't do. Because that's the thing. It's like you don't have to do anything. It's like always there. It's always this bliss, this intense, this intensity. And uh, so, yeah, um, in, enlightenment is not about creating limitations. It's about removing limitations. And in the past, with these various religions, these various traditions, these monastic orders, and with these vows of celibacy, it's all very well intentioned. Because obviously, let's face it, I mean, sex does typically elicit desire. I mean, websites dedicated to that, big desire energy. So these rules are designed with good intentions. They are trying to limit the effect of desire, personal desire from your life because they realize that that can be a huge obstacle on the path of spirituality and attaining more elevated states of consciousness. And so, you know, some people might take these vows and because they just want to focus on that spiritual path, and that's fine. But strictly speaking, once you are liberated, there are no rules. You just naturally want to help people. And if the div if divine makes you cross paths with a soulmate or something of that nature, and it's your destiny to have this kind of relationship with a partner that's something that shouldn't be shunned the only thing that should be shunned is the concept is anything that limits you namely desire and the reason it external desire limits you is because you feel incomplete so you want to feel complete all the time that's all so as long as you can feel complete all the time you can do everything and of course, you don't want to harm people because that's obviously not an enlightened thing to do. But let's see, see here. Um, otherwise, sex, desire, and enlightenment, this pretty much covers this topic. If anyone has any questions about this, you feel free to message me or to comment on, on the video. You can visit divinity.com for access to other social media websites. And uh, yeah, I mean, personally, I, I don't have any any problem with, with sex or anything anybody does. The only thing that I feel is really important is to not let desire, external desire, take over you so that you can feel that harmony all the time and to always feel that love. You want to have that so much love in your heart that you don't have any room for desire. And I hope that makes sense. And also in the mind, to be able to get that mind to a place where you achieve equanimity so that the drama that happens with the relationships and that can happen for sure that toxicity can't get you down so that you can always be the best version of you all the time. Anyway, this is Atma Bodha signing off and it's been great talking. Until next time, have a fantastic everything. Bye-bye.